This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. Yes, the Mike Missanelli Podcast available on the Bet Rivers Network, sponsored by the great people at Bet Rivers. Download that app. You got NFL playoff action coming your way. You got to download that app now. Get your bets in. It's a fantastic app. It's real easy to use. Podcast episode number 41, Thursday, January 12th, 2023. Three, and we are in a holding pattern here. The Philadelphia Eagles get a bye in the NFL playoffs, so we get to stand around or sit around and, and watch the playoff games, to watch everybody eliminate each other, and then uh, get an opponent. So let's just look at the potential opponents for their first game after we talk about where they are right now. Where are the Eagles right now? Because uh, there are a lot of people that think that the, they lost a little luster going into the playoffs, even though they are the number one seed in the NFC. So let's look at at why uh, that's happening out there. Well, why it's happening is really based on the health of two important players. And we're talking about the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. We're talking about the right tackle, Lane Johnson. Um, So let's look at it. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether Nick Sirianni is playing a ruse on people. You know, I, I was kind of shocked that he said that what Jalen's really hurting, he was really hurting in that game, blah, 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 leading people to believe that in, in two weeks there might not be enough time for him to heal to be the Jalen Hurts that made that offense hump. Because without him being the Jalen Hurts of old, the offense is going to slow down a little bit. So much of what they do offensively, even with the success of the other guys, is based on what he does with zone reads and RPOs and and the fact that he has a threat to carry the football at at any time. And when he carries the football, the Eagles are always plus one because there's nobody that can account for Jalen Hurts except the safety who's 20 yards back. Uh, So he's got to be 100%. Now I'm thinking, why would Sirianni admit that he's hurting? And then I started to overthink it and say, He's doing that because he wants the other team to think he's hurting. And somehow that'll mess up their plans or that'll get them comfortable in the fact that he's not going to be running the football. And so they could play the running back that he that he puts the ball in the belly of, or, or they could play the receiver is going to go out on that little pattern. I don't know, but I got a feeling it's that. And, and that maybe he's not hurting. Uh, because if he is hurting, 
they're in trouble, maybe not in this game, but certainly in an maybe NFC title game. And if he's not hurting, then maybe they're playing a psychological game to give the Eagles the edge. But there's no question in my mind that he's got to be the Jalen Hurts who is not afraid to do the things that Jalen Hurts did all year in this game coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, the Lane Johnson situation, um, it's very problematic to me. I can't tell you how he's going to be. They're fitting him with a brace. He's got a core muscle tear. It needs surgery. Anytime a core muscle uh, uh, tendon needs surgery, uh, it, it can't possibly be at 100%, even if you put a brace on. So it worries me how much he can hold up uh, against a, a good rushing football team that they may play. Um, so there it is. It, it, it's that in a nutshell. It's Hurts and it's Lane Johnson. And, and a little, there are two other little things that are bugging me. One is the health of Miles Sanders who's been banged up, his knee is is a little banged up, will he be 100% or at least a semblance of 100% where they can run every aspect of that offense? The running game, the passing game, the tight end, the quarterback being able to run, all that matters. And here's the other big thing that matters. They run a four-man front mostly, and that's how they've been successful. They don't blitz a lot. They don't run a five-man front a lot. They rely on the four men getting to the quarterback, putting pressure. So far, that's worked. They lead the league in sacks, right? Uh, but here's the thing. To do that, you've got to count on really good coverage on the back end. And right now, the guy who's leaking the most oil is Darius Slay, who's supposed to be their best corner cover. He has not played well in the last three games. So uh, whoever they play, uh, we're going to have to count on, on these elements to get them by. Now, they're going to get back Josh Schwed, it looks like. So that's a help. So that rotation there uh, with the defensive ends and with the year Reddick is having, uh, I'm okay with. The linebackers in coverage, lately that's leaked. And, of course, Slay has leaked. So I at this point, I don't know where they stand. And maybe they deserve to have a little luster taken off them as the number one seed until they convince people in that first game on whoever it's going to be that they're worthy of that number one seed and they're ready to win an NFC title. All right, let's look at the potential opponents for the first game because there's four of them. Now, it's going to be a home game. So that gives them a decided advantage. They're going to face the lowest seed that survives in that first round game at Lincoln Financial Field. That could be Seattle, the seventh seed, the Giants, the sixth seed, the Cowboys, the fifth seed, or the Bucks, the fourth seed. Now, now, for me, the most likely opponent, and I've been saying it for weeks, is the Cowboys. Unless the Cowboys lose to the Bucs, which is very possible. And unless the Giants upset the Vikings, which is very possible. So here are our matchups for this weekend. Let's start with the Saturday game. Seattle, seven seed at the two seed, the 49ers. The 49ers are a nine and a half point favorite. This game is 430 on Fox on a Saturday. I don't think Seattle has any chance to win this game. Uh, the 49ers at nine and a half. Maybe that line is a little too high. There's no way the 49ers are losing to Seattle. We'll analyze that game in a second. The six seed, the Giants at the three seed, the Vikings. The Vikings are a home field minus three. Can't get much information from that. Uh, 4.30 Sunday on Fox. And then finally, the Cowboys are a road favorite. Minus two and a half at uh, the Bucks, the four seed. That'll be a Monday night game. 
uh, 8.15 on ESPN ABC. And, of course, in the AFC, the Dolphins, seven seed at the two Bills. Sunday, 1 p.m. CBS. The Bills are minus 13. That's because the Dolphins have a quarterback problem. I mean, who's going who's gonna to be their starter? Uh, is it going to be Kyler Thompson or, or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Does it really matter? Uh, I think the Bills romp in that game. Dolphins, I don't think, have a chance. Ravens, six seed at the three Bengals. I don't think the Ravens have a chance either. Uh, and especially there's this mystery with Lamar Jackson, whether he's going to play or not. Uh, obviously, they're better when he plays. Uh, but uh, he's in a situation where he's got a contract. Does he want to play hurt? Who knows what's going to happen? We still don't know here. It's Thursday. We don't know who the starting quarterback is for the Ravens. In any event, the Bengals are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a Sunday night game on NBC at 8.15. And finally, the Chargers at minus two at the six-seeded Jaguars, Saturday, 8.15, NBC. The Jaguars are a nice story. Uh, the Chargers are playing really good football right now. I think that might be the easiest game of the week to play, to be honest with you. I'd like the Chargers to go in there uh, and, and win that game against the Jaguars. The Jaguars, they're, they're not. It, it's too much of a story now. It's too much of a Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson romance, all that thing. They're going to fall on their face. All right, let's look at the games. Uh, let's look at the Seattle and the 49ers right out of the shoot to see um, who has the edge in this game. Uh, now, uh, listen, the Seattle Seahawks defense can be picked apart. Um, they've had a lot of up and down games where they've given up a lot of points. Conversely, the 49ers, best defense in the NFL. Uh, the Seahawks have scored 20 points in their two total matchups versus San Francisco. What's going to change now? Uh, the Niners have won 10 straight. Here's the question. They got a quarterback who's green. So far, he's survived. Brock Purdy, can he survive with the bright lights on? He's 5-0 as a starter. This is a different ball game to play off. So, fortunately, they, they have a team that they're much better than, and maybe he can, uh, you know, sow some oats in, in this game and get a little playoff experience that won't hurt the Niners down the road when they have to play somebody really important. Niners swept Seattle this year 27-7 to in Week 2 at home and then 21-13 to in Week 15. That's a solid 49er game, in my opinion. Maybe not as a cover, but certainly the Niners are not going to get upset in that game. All right, let's look at the Vikings and the Giants. Very interesting game. The Vikings have played in 11 one-score games this year. They've won all of them. Now, that tells you a little something about the clutchness of this team. Um, and let's, let's add to that. The, 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 the Vikings have been tough in the fourth quarter. This is a wild stat. They're third in the NFL. Uh, with uh, um, pl uh, plus nine, 30 NFL plus nine on drives that have started in the fourth quarter or overtime. And in that, they have the lowest uh, turnover margin of any team in the NFL. So although they're flimsy at times because they've given up the most points per play in the NFL and they're ranked dead last in the league in yards allowed, when it's late, they seem to clutch up. So that's that's helpful. That's a that's good experience playing late. If you're in a close game, if you got that kind of confidence that you're you're going to win uh, those games because you execute better than everybody else, uh, the Vikings are going to be without their starting center, their starting right tackle. Uh, the Giants have to get pressure on Cousins. It's really as simple as that, and that's an indication that they could get uh, uh, pressure on the quarterback. 
The Giants, however, have only one win against teams with a winning record. That was the Ravens earlier this year. And their point differential this whole season, the Giants, is a minus six. So I don't know how to call this game, to be honest with you. But um, I originally thought that the Giants could upset them. Now I don't. I think the Vikings now are the play uh, in that game. All right, let's look at the other NFC game, Tampa Bay-Dallas, Monday night, 8-15. Dallas has given up 27.2 points per game in the last five games. They only allowed 17.2 points per game in the previous 12. Their defense stinks right now. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Bucs ha- have, not, have not scored. <laughs> they, ha- they were, they, they, uh, were t- 18.3 points per game to uh, 28.8 in, in the last five games. Um, so um, they did get a 30-point effort a couple games ago, but their offensive line is banged up. Their offense has been feeble. Um, Although in that game in week 17, Mike Evans busted loose for three TDs of long yards. And here's the thing. The Cowboys are not a great team on the road. And Brady is 7-0 and versus Dallas in his career. So basically, I don't know who to call in this game, Tampa Bay-Dallas. I don't want to give that much deference to Brady. And all of a sudden, he's going to find magic. But the Cowboys, uh, I can't count on them. So, Darren, I need some help. How do you look at this game? This is a, the type of game where if Dallas loses, this is a heads will roll loss. I mean, every year it's the Cowboys. Can you get through the second round? Can you can you make something of this season? There's a lot of expectations on that franchise. I think Dallas wins the game. I really do. Tampa's defense is just there's there's nothing about Tampa's defense that really scares me right now. Tampa has no running game. Yes, Brady in the last couple of weeks has lit it up. They have Mike Evans. Dallas' secondary is suspect, a lot of injuries, but they can't run the ball. And I think Dallas' defense is going to tee off on Brady. You're going to take the Cowboys, which means now let's look at the other games because we're trying to find the Eagles' opponent. So the Cowboys, uh, as the fifth seed, have survived. Uh, Do the Giants beat the Vikings? I've come around on this game. I I thought earlier in the week, no shot, Giants aren't going to win that game. New York is well-coached. They've got a good running game, and Daniel Jones is playing the best. I think they have a shot to go into Minnesota and win. Minnesota, you know, 11 games, 11-0, one-score game. Well, they have a shot. Will they win? No. I'm going chalk, Minnesota. But I think New York's going to keep it close. <laughs> you just changed your mind in three seconds. Well, I was no shot earlier in the week. I think New York can, can actually uh-huh. give them a game. All right. I think so it's going to be a game, but Minnesota still wins. Yes. Okay. All right, let's uh, let's look at the AFC. Let's start with the first game, the Saturday NBC game, uh, Saturday night, the Jags and Chargers. Um, can the Jags slow down Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler? They're the two most productive players on offense, and they've got a quarterback who's really playing well. Uh, you know, this is a, a, a match of two young quarterbacks. One is more advanced than the other. And I know Trevor Lawrence has made some great strides, but, uh, you know, the, the kid playing for the Chargers is uh, – uh, I just think at a, at a different level at, at this point. So I, I give the Chargers the edge. The Jags do rank third in pressure rate, which uh, could put a little heat uh, on them. And, um, yeah, and and Trevor Lawrence has gotten some good production from guys like Christian Kirk and Evan Engram and Zay Jones. But the Chargers are getting healthy uh, and they're peaking. And they got Joey Bosa back. Uh, and they got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, maybe. Now, here's the problem with the Chargers. They they played their starters really late uh, in, in that game. 
uh, last week, a meaningless game, and Mike Williams hurt his back. So um, that could be a, a big factor. Uh, but I think the Chargers are the choice here. I know, Darren, you like the Jags. You like that whole story. Well, you know, it, right? the, the, the Chargers coach is good for a blunder a game. Like, he's a really smart guy, but he outthinks himself way too much. And I could see Staley making a bad call in that game. Jaguars' defense is really good. I don't, I'm don't. i not that wild on, on Lawrence this year. I think he's got still got a lot to grow. But J- Jacksonville's defense is really good. They'll keep him in that game. That's the smallest line. I think it's the shortest line of the week, too. It's only one. Minus two. Minus two. Yeah, I think that's a good game. Jacksonville can win that game. Uh, all right. Uh, Justin Herbert, I just think, is going to make more plays than Trevor Lawrence at this point. All right, let's move on to uh, the Sunday games here. And the Sunday games, uh, we'll have, let's start with the Bills-Dolphins, 1 o'clock uh, game. Uh, I mean, it's not, I don't know what to say about this game. Uh, who's the quarterback for Miami and, and doesn't matter? Uh, the Dolphins are very blitz-heavy, man coverage team. The Bills rush four. They have good cover schemes. Bills are sixth in defensive EPA. The Dolphins' defense is ranked 26th. Miami beat the uh, Bills week three, though, a long time ago, 21-19. And that's when they had a starting quarterback. Buffalo won in week 15, 32-29. So the, the Dolphins have played them tough. Um, and, and they've got a leaky quarterback. Like Josh Allen uh, last year in the playoffs was amazing. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. At two games, he threw for 600 yards. He's had five games this year with two interceptions. And the Bills also lead the league in drops. They've had 31 drops this year, and they have 27 turnovers, which is third in the league. So they're not as solid as you might think, but th- there's no way uh, that the Dolphins are going to win this game. All right, uh, let's move on now to the uh, Bengals and Ravens Sunday night game on NBC. Uh, I love the Bengals in this game. They're eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Lamar Jackson, I, I, I don't know. I, who knows if he's going to play? I mean, they're eight and four with him. They're two and three with their backups. With Jackson, they average 25 points a game. Without him, they're half that at 12 and a half. Uh, the Ravens have the worst deep ball passing defense in the league. And, and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase should be able to exploit that for the Bengals. Uh, the teams did split this year, though. Cincinnati won uh, 27-16 on Sunday, last Sunday. The Ravens won in week five, 19-17. And the Bengals have been really inconsistent. Haven't strung two halves together uh, in, a, in a really long time. Last three games, for instance, three points in week 15 in the first half. They had zero points in the second half, week 16. They had three points in the second half last Sunday. Their offensive line has been erratic because of injuries. But uh, Joe Cool, Joey Burrow, your man, should be able to to bring this home for the Bengals. Do you like the Bengals to cover the eight and a half, or will the Ravens be in the in the game? No, I think Cincinnati wins this game going away. It doesn't look like Lamar Jackson's going to play. That knee is still just I you know you know I don't think he's going to you're going to see him again this year because of the contract. It's a big part of it. It's a big matzo ball sitting out there. All right, so so there you go. Uh, you got Seattle at the 49ers. The Giants at the Vikings, Dallas at the Bucks. Uh, I will predict right now that uh, Niners win, Vikings win, Dallas wins. You're seeing the Cowboys when you play football again at Lincoln Financial Field the following weekend. In the AFC, uh, uh, I'm going to go uh, chalk all the way. Bills, Bengals, uh, and Chargers. Now, there's probably going to be an upset in there, but I can't figure out what that would be at this particular time. It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 
All right, my next guest on the Mike Missinelli podcast, a very, very special guest. We worked together for many years on a very successful show. Uh, I believe that station was 97.5, uh, The Fanatic. And, um, you know, it's funny because uh, every time I'm around town these days, people ask me, what's going on with Natalie? Where's Natalie? So, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Natalie Aganoff, our special guest for today. Hello, Nat. Oh, Mike, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Um, it was so funny when you texted me and asked me to come on. I'm not kidding. I was literally scrolling through your podcast episodes to see which ones I missed because I listened to every episode. So it was just, I felt like it was like some sort of like karmatic thing. And I'm just so happy to be here. Oh, that's nice that you were... You were checking on the old on the old podcast. Yes. I like to hear that uh, because you know pod, podcasting is really interesting because you never know. You throw it out in space, and you never know who's listening. As opposed to radio, where you got like constant feedback, like every two minutes from from callers. So uh, this is all new to me, and uh, we're now on our forty first episode, believe wow. it or not, of uh, of the Mike Pisanelli podcast sponsored by Bet River. So. So now let's let's first of all let's tell the tell the world what you're doing these days. So um, right now I am still cranking out my podcast, The Lipstick League, with um, Nicole Mahalik from WXTU. Um, our tagline is "Where sports and pop culture come to play." So you know you've been on our, my podcast. It's yes, yes. It was I, I I enjoyed the being on your podcast. Yeah, we had a ton of fun. So right now that's what I'm doing, and I am in the middle of kind of figuring out what's next. I have a little bit of an idea, but I can't necessarily talk about it yet. But uh-huh. you know, the people will hopefully be able to hear me again. That's that's the goal, you know. Um, and you know, Mike, it's it'll never be like what it was when we did it. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So let's let's talk about those days and the origin uh, of how uh, you joined the show because we were. We were kind of in a, a state of limbo. Uh, Jason Bertinas has been the producer, and they moved him uh, to do a show um, with Anthony. And so uh, we had to find a new producer and uh, uh, and uh, actually another element to the show. And So tell, tell us about the origins of, of how it was all put together and how you joined the show. So they brought me on as a part-time sports update anchor um in the end of 2016 which i can't believe it was that long ago right it feels like a lifetime ago um the end of 2016 and it was part-time on your show and then they brought me into the office i think it, it was actually september of 2017 because it was right around my birthday and they said we'd like to make you a full-time part of Mike's show. And I just, I was floored. I actually, I, I didn't think that I was good enough for your show yet, Mike. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I said, really, you want me to be a full-time um, sports update anchor on the Mike Missinelli show? It was such an honor. And then they said, yeah, and then we're going to put you on TV. And I said, oh my God, like, I can't believe it. And then that's honestly how it happened. So I saw um, January 8th was our anniversary, actually. Um, January 8th would have been like, I think five, six years that we would have been kicking out episodes and, you know, doing our thing. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. It was very, um, I think fortuitous. I felt like I had a little bit more time 
to go before I was slotted, but I, I was ready for it. And I mean, it was the best, it was the time of my life. I think that we did such good radio and we really entertained people. And, you know, we did it during the pandemic, Mike, which was insane. And I, I look back now and, you know, we didn't necessarily think about it. I don't think when we were doing it, but we just did it. And we, we did sports talk when there was no sports. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I think a lot of people forget about how difficult that was to, to put together a show every day, but we, we somehow pulled it off. Now, interesting about the, about the COVID part is that, you know, that, that was the, the era where people were staying at home. They were ordered to stay at home. And the way they figured it out was that you would stay at home for a little while because you were in the booth with Tyrone and the way they figured it, since we had our own individual booths, we wouldn't have any kind of a problem uh, as far as working with coworkers because we were isolated a- anyway. But so they decided to isolate you by by you doing it at home, which was really interesting time because you were still part of the show. You were doing it from home and we were in the studio. Well, I was at home. I remember I was I would lay on my couch and I had my headphones on and I had the microphone and you guys couldn't see me. So I felt like sometimes I had to just be I was like, guys, I'm still here. I'm still here. Remember, Ginger was barking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard your dog barking Ginger. in the background. It, it made for all interesting radio because during, during the pandemic, we had to, we had to, like that would be entertaining. Your dog barking. Oh, like, yeah. We had to have that as an element of entertainment for the show. Oh my god, yeah. And I feel like you know it it was such a crazy time, and I just look back and I just think about it, and I feel like that's when we did our best radio. You know, we really. I tell people all the time. They said, "What was it like?" You know, doing the Mike Missinelli show. I said, "Well." Can you tell me another television show where it's four hours of unscripted improv with three people? Because you can't, there's no, there was no, there still is no other show like it. There was no other show like it. And that's what we did. There's, it was four hours of unscripted improvisation. It's exactly what it was. It's funny because I had Angelo on a podcast and he scripts every minute of his show. We we did not. We we uh, uh, called uh, topics led uh, like call bring up a topic and that led us into a completely different zone of conversation. And uh, that was the conversation that most people uh, remember uh, remembered more than anything was when we went when we go off script and improvise and talk about stuff that was you know just uh, like people talking on the street or uh, at a bar or something. Mike, we did one. We did an entire show. Do you remember on baseball netting? We did an entire show. <laughs> yeah, because and here was the uh, here was the onus of that show. I got a ticket on the first row. Uh, behind a dugout, to the right of the dugout, a first row ticket. Now, everybody thinks the first row ticket is there. There was the, the the netting, the cable that held the netting together was a thick cable, and it was right in my view. And I said, "This this seat is the worst effing seat that I've ever sat in." And I'm in the first row, and people are going, "Oh, you know, Mr. Big Time, you're in the first row." I swear to God, the cable was right in front of me. I had put my head above the cable and below the cable to see a pitch being delivered. It was horrible. And so, and my position was that seat should have a rebate. Yeah. That should be a lower price seat <laughs> instead of a higher price seat. And it was when they were having the conversations about extending the netting. Yes. So I remember, I remember we, it, I think this was one of those shows. I think it was the all-star week, right? Another week where there's no sports at all. But I remember we had people calling in and they were like, you know, 
maybe if you put the poles here yeah. and here, and maybe if you use this type yeah. of net, like I, I feel like there were so many shows, especially, you know, where we just pulled like blood from a exactly. rock and we just made it happen. And, and people, people really loved it. I mean, like you said, everybody asks you, everybody asks you what I'm doing. Everybody says to me, they're like, I, I, until I die, I swear to God, I can never go out without people going, yo, Nat, where's Mikey Miss? And I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't know. He's probably home. I don't know where he is. He's probably, he's probably doing something yeah. until the day I die for years and years and years. Yo, Nat, where's Mikey Miss? I'm like, he's, he's somewhere. He's fine. I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The perception is that we are always tied at the waist, no matter where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we're, yeah we work together. We have, do have lives that we you know, leave work. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, you're right. Those kind of conversations was blossomed off and I mean like something simple as because uh, I know my position was okay you want to put the net around there you're obstructing people's view so the first 15 rows should give me a lesser price ticket yeah it was only logical yeah. all I did was speak logic like people would like say oh or you're a hot take I'm not a hot take I was completely logical if you can't see and your view is going to be obstructed you should have a lesser price ticket I always tell people about that uh, uh, about you too I say it I, I'm like First of all, the party of Mike is the party of Mike, and I, I I subscribe to it. And second of all, like logic always rules, and there's nobody more logical on the planet than you. And that's why that's why the party of Mike is always right, in my opinion. You know what well, I'm saying? Yeah. Because the logic the logic always prevails. People complicate the party of Mike it, because it is totally based on base logic. You know, like not like. Le, seven levels of, of intellectualism logic it's base logic and, yes. and people don't sometimes have a trouble understanding base logic all right so let, let's uh, first of all the right thing for them to do at at this particular stage is to put that show back together but they but since management uh, over there seems to be a little lacking in ingenuity that probably will never happen again. So that's my little, that's my, my little editorial comment on this. So, so now let, let's, you let's said it, not me, but I might agree. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I think people, it's evident to people, but, but anyway, uh, let's, let's look now at uh, a golden moment of the show where we were debating the Bryce Harper thing went on forever. Are they going to get him? Or are they going to oh. not? And there were people saying, Oh, you don't get it. That's too much. I love the people that oh, it's too much. Uh, and then all of a sudden it breaks when you're doing the sports update. So, so tell us about that moment. Well, you know, what's funny, Mike, is that morning I, I had been, I mean, like I, it was, it was kind of torturing me that news, wondering who they were going to get, whether it was going to be Machado or if, if it was going to be Harper Remember Machado came to town and all those uh, people were outside begging him to come. Yeah, he was the, the door was locked. Yes, the door. The, the door. He was trying he was trying to get into the building. It was locked. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, only in Philly. Um but yeah, so the door was locked and I remember just like pouring over the reports. I mean, daily for months. It was going on for months and I wanted I wanted our show to get that news first. I really, really did. And that morning, a report came out that said the Phillies aren't going to spend the money. And I vividly, vividly remember thinking to myself, it's not going to happen. That was the day when I thought to myself, 
it's not going to happen because the report came out. It said the Phillies aren't going to spend the money. And I said, you know what? Here we are. Very typical Phillies behavior. They never spend the money, right? That's been the Phillies problem. That was the Phillies problem for years and years and years. Now they're just emptying, you know, their pockets, which is amazing. Yeah. We've been waiting for this forever. But yeah. for years and years and years, that that was always their problem. And I thought, you know what? It's just another year in Phillies baseball. They're not going to spend the money. He's going to go somewhere else. I vividly remember thinking that morning because that report came out. So I'm sitting in the studio. Ty and I are sitting in the studio. And you were on the phone with Tim from Lancaster. I'm pretty sure talking about the Flyers because – well, we'll get to that. I, I do need to reiterate how you always talked about the Flyers and people thought that we didn't. And I still will die on that mountain. But you were talking about the Flyers with Tim from Lancaster. And I, Ty looks at me and he goes, Nat, Heyman, tweet. And he's hitting, he's like slamming his hand on the on the desk. And I look at the tweet and he hits the sounder. And that was it. And I just, as the news broke, was when I the breaking news sounder that the music that we used to play. Burn, you yeah, know, like, I think it was uh, from the extra show. Yes, he uh, hit the yeah. he hit the breaking news sounder, and I was reading it as I was learning it, and I was telling you as like it all happened in very, very, very real time, instantaneously. And I didn't actually, you know, sometimes I forgot that. We were on television. I actually forgot all the time that we were on television because our cameras weren't exactly, they weren't big. They were just these little cameras. That, they were little pods. They were little pods. You can always forget that you were on the, on the air. Yeah, they were little pods. And I just, you know, when I told you, I that was my genuine reaction because I was so excited. Because that morning I was thinking, we're not, we're not getting them. You know, they're not going to spend the money. <laughs> And then, my God, I had no idea, and I wasn't even thinking that it would the my reaction would have the reaction that it did. But it was yeah, your reaction went uh, uh, what uh, national almost. It did. Uh, but we it, it was so funny because we had been so grumbly about them not signing him, and here all of a sudden they signed him, and we were like, huh? <laughs> so it was almost disbelief. It was disbelief. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Uh, all right, so. Um, we we did have a really good chemistry, good vibe because we we knew how to pick up each other and uh, talk about like uh, carrots in a grocery store or some other stupid <laughs> thing that we were told we would venture <laughs> off into. Uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, you get you get you call us out to lunch, and uh, and you're really upset about it, and you're telling us that you got an offer that you really couldn't refuse. Yeah, yeah, I um. I had found the position with Parks Casino. They were looking for somebody to kind of spearhead this new um, digital side of the online gambling space that they were launching. And I felt like it was the right move for me at the time, honestly. Um, And, you know, the company did nothing to keep me. So that's neither here nor there, but they didn't. And uh, they, you know, so it was... Probably in my entire life, the hardest thing I ever had to do. I could still cry thinking about it. I I still to this day wonder if it was the right thing. Um, But I don't have any regrets because, you know, you got to do what you got to do for yourself um, in life and in moments and in your career. And it was a it was an 
it was a good opportunity. Wasn't the right fit for me, I don't think. I think that I am a sports talk radio gal at heart, and that's just what I do. And, you know. Yeah, but let me just say this at the time, because you told us about the offer, and we um, emphatically thought it was the right thing. For yeah, you. yeah. I mean, and uh, because, because you, you, in my world, you don't turn down opportunities that, can, that will compensate you a lot more than what you're being compensated for. And let's face it, uh, the station that we worked for, uh, I would be kind in saying they're rather frugal. Uh, and so um, to, to advance your career monetarily uh, and, and be still in the kind of the media business was a no brainer for you to do. So uh, never beat yourself up for that because you, you, you advanced your career and you advanced your financial situation, which is what we all try to do in this business. So uh, and I know it was difficult for you and it was difficult for us because, you know, it put a, a crimp in the show where we had to kind of readjust and. Uh, but you know, here's the thing: you're, you're you're still out there doing things, and if you're out there doing things, you know another opportunity is going to come to you. There are plenty of opportunities out there, and another colossal opportunity is going to come to you eventually. So just just hang in there and 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 let it happen. Yeah, no, I know it will. And I I mean, again, if if I didn't truly, you know me, Mike. Like I lead with my heart. I. I can't not, I wish I, I wish I didn't sometimes, but I lead with my heart. And if my heart didn't feel that it was the right thing to do, I wouldn't have gone. And, and you and Tyrone, I remember that morning. I think you both thought I was sick because I called you both to lunch. Yeah. And they thought I was dying or something. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it was very difficult for you to tell us that, like you were letting us down and we both looked at, at each other and said, well, this is a great opportunity for you. So you know, even though uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, we love to keep the show together the way it's going because it's it's going pretty well. We can't, couldn't deny you that kind of an opportunity. And we were all for you uh, taking that opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, I thought you did the right thing. Now, uh, uh, a lot of people, uh, for some reason, ask you and ask anybody that I've ever worked with. What's it like to work with me? Even Darren, who's our producer, gets gets questions. What's it like? To work with me and i always like scratch my head at that like i'm like i'm some kind of like i'm godzilla of, of some sort right and i i go i just i'm a, I'm a guy who just wants to do a good yeah. show you know and so so when people ask you that question what did you always tell them i just say you're the best and and i mean i feel like people are like they think that i'm again they think that i'm like lying or not being, you know, not being authentic, but I'm like, no. And I think because Mike, you know, your, your persona is so large, right. And, and you're so, you are who you are. And I say this all the time. I'm like, I, and I always say the reason that Mike and I work so well together is because I'm who I am and you are who you are. And there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Like we couldn't be other people if we tried, right. There's, <laughs> we're not fugazis we're not fugazis at all and no you're, you're absolutely right and sometimes like that's really hurt me in my life to, <laughs> that i am who i am but uh i'm learning that i'm learning that too yeah. but i would rather i would rather be that way than not and you actually because you have to look at yourself in the mirror you have to be honest with yourself that's the only person you can really be honest mostly with is yourself and if you're not being honest with yourself then what are you doing turning away from the mirror probably you, you have to kind of look you know stare into the mirror so but i that's what i tell people i said you know i i loved 
walking in. I mean, that's what I miss the most is kind of like going into work every day. And then, you know, you would come in and we'd sit there and like, you know, we'd like shoot the shit and then we'd talk about what you were going to do. But people don't understand that you're actually just like this chill, mild mannered kind of dude who just like kicks it. You listen to your music. <laughs> you're like, yo, Nat, like th- listen to this new song from the national. And then like, next thing you know, we'd go yeah. on air, you'd fire up the microphone. And then you'd be like, and this is what's going on. Like, it's 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 not that we're two different people but like you are just you are just you and I I always tell people that I'm like Mike was the best because you I would rather work with somebody who's real and authentically themselves all the time than somebody who's gonna put on airs or be fake and and you don't know what you're getting right and you don't know if they're genuine like it was always it was always a pleasure to know that I was walking in I'm like yeah Mike's gonna be Mike and that's all that we need it. You know, uh, let me bring Darren in for this. Darren, you've said this. There's a difference between radio mic and non-radio <laughs> mic. And a lot of people have said that. Now, that would indicate that somehow I'm I'm put, faking it, putting on a show. But but radio mic is as honest as uh, mellow off the air mic. It's the same thing. It's just enhanced by the subject matter. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say you're like the EKG. So like with with a sudden heart like palpitation. So you're very and then you yeah you know, the deep man and then you come back down. You go you go from angry mic and when you go to angry mic, I go I need elegant mic. So usually radio mic, I say I need elegant mic. Elegant mic works. Get get angry mic out of the, out of the room. Yeah, but angry mic was effect- angry mic is also effective because it's not forced. When I'm angry, I'm genuinely angry. Like I, there, there are things that bother me that I feel are unrighteous, and that's what gets me angry. The Sicilian blood tends to spark it, like throwing gasoline on a fire. Angry Mike, in my opinion, gets shit done for the greater good, which is why I'll always be thankful for Angry Mike. And I'll tell you, and I'm can I tell this story, Mike? Sure. I'm not going to say who it was with. However, there was um, somebody at 97.5 The Fanatic who was having on a guest who was accused of domestic violence. And this was off the air. And Mike stood in the cubicle area in the office and said to this person, why would you do this? You're condoning this behavior. This was off the air and was basically like, this is not okay to give somebody like this a platform. This is not okay to basically gloss over what this man has done in his life. And that's the mic that people don't understand is that when Mike is on the air, it's not like, that's what I mean. He's not a fugazi. It's not fake. The same passion that he has for his convictions, it's, it's off the air too. And, and, you know, sitting there and seeing that it's, it's so important, right? Because that's the thing. It, you are angry, but you're angry about the right things. You're angry about the things that matter. And I mean, for as long as I, for as long as I live it, the conversations we had, the topics that you tackled, like I felt like whenever you were angry, it was always for the greater good. It was always because you wanted to make the world better. It wasn't like you were falling on the sword for some like you know, stupid topic or anything like that. It was always things that actually mattered in the world. And I re- I'll remember that. Yeah, and I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that because uh, uh, 
that probably got me in in a lot of in trouble with with so-called bosses but I, the way i looked at it in the show like i thought i earned enough clout in 30 years to say like how could i ignore issues everyday issues that were important to people like not not just three people but but everybody uh and i could if i if, if i ignored those kind of issues or just at least didn't bring light to them then what am i accomplishing you know i wanted to accomplish something uh, not not just by talking about a tight end pattern, you know. I wanted to accomplish something on the show, so that's what I tried to do. And uh, unfortunately, uh, not enough people do that. I don't think because they're afraid to, to get in trouble and they're afraid to push the envelope because certain people aren't going to like it. And and that's a shame about uh, where radio has gone. Well, uh, and anyway. and the time that we were the time that we were on the air was like. It, it was honestly one of the most pivotal times in I think American history where. Everything was just going to hell in a handbasket. It was it was absolutely insane. There had never been a time like it, what we were witnessing in the time that we were on the air. I mean, we watched January 6th unravel live. Remember, Mike? We were sitting there. People yeah. were calling us. You were trying not to talk about it. And then people were like, do you guys see what's happening on, on television? And we were like, oh, my God. You know, like, we, we lived that in live television with everybody else we were living that too you know and, I- and we were li- and, and and here's a case in point that day is when i saw kurt schilling who was a friend of mine yeah a uh, live tweet about uh, how great the insurrection was and it was filled with great patriots and all this stuff and i, I lost my mind yeah and i knew that guy and i was a friend and that from that moment on i i advocated that they should take his number off the damn wall I mean, that, that's, the, that's how I, strongly I felt about it. It was an insurrection on the government. Now, people say, well, uh, talk sports. Talk sports? There's a fucking insurrection going on. Are you going to talk sports? Like, how could I possibly? It, it, at that time, that time, 2020, I swear, like 2020, 2021, it was impossible because it, sports, sports were secondary to what was happening in the world. And I felt... And I think that you felt the same way and Tyrone felt the same way. We almost had like a moral obligation to not to to address these things. We couldn't not address them just to keep people happy and talk about sports it, when the there will never be a time like it again. You know, it's it was it was unreal. We were in the middle of of a time that was absolutely insane, insane. And we were the only live. Yeah. And and here, here's what I, I, I wanted to do, Nat. And I know you wanted to do the same thing. The only thing I wanted to do is get people to think. Yeah. Get people to think that maybe there's another side to what you're thinking. Yeah. And to process that side. And and, and that's especially when it comes to racism. Um, people are afraid that they're going to be exposed as racists. Uh, and instead of taking it under advisement and looking within themselves, I tried to get them to think, you know, maybe there are some things that you need to discover about yourself so you can correct it so you can be a better human being and ha- and and worship inclusion instead of, uh, 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 you know, be, being at odds with it all the time. And, and so it, hopefully I accomplished that if I didn't. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I think I think you did. I think we reached a lot of people. I think you made a lot of people think. I think we changed a lot of lives. I do. We would get emails. I mean, I still have letters that you know were written to us and emails that were written to us where 
especially during that pandemic time where it was like we had people were home alone and thinking and and all that they had was us and i i think that we did make a difference then and it's the most important work i i've done in my life thus far i think and i i i'm so proud of everything that we did i really am i miss it all right let me just talk talk about your twitter your twitter is uh natalie aganoff at natalie aganoff and you're very um you're very poignant in your Twitter. How do you approach your Twitter? I'm just me. People ask me that too. <laughs> you know, I'm just like whatever it is that I'm thinking, I just put it out there. I've never been I've never been contrived in my tweets. It's just kind of however I'm feeling or whatever I want to comment on or think about or make a, you know, silly nat joke about. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I actually was just going to tweet about how um we have to make sure that uh, the climate change doesn't happen because In-N-Out Burger is coming to the East Coast. Did you see that? <laughs> so we need to make sure that the world, the world stays intact until 2026, and In-N-Out makes its way to the East. So, so how do you then handle? Because I know this comes at you, and it comes at a lot of females that are in this profession. Uh, male hatred comes your way. Oh, what are you doing? You don't know anything about sports, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're very abusive on Twitter. Uh, I decided yeah. that I go right back at them to try to uh, out intelligence them and the, ridicule them with, with words that, um, you know, that they're, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I do it, but I try to humiliate them. But I try to humiliate them with words that don't, don't look like it's like a clear humiliation. How do you handle this stuff? So, it actually took me a lot of um, a lot of years to kind of learn to either ignore or engage. I engaged for a long time because I don't think that people understand that um, it it wears on you. And I don't care if you're like you can me, you know, little Natalie Eganoff from Northeast Philly or freaking like Kim Kardashian. That shit wears on you. It does. You read that stuff. And it's ugly, it's vile, it's evil. And some days, you know, if you're having a bad day and you open your Twitter and you're seeing somebody call you ugly or fat or stupid, it, it's never okay, right? So I guess it depends on my mindset. Like if I'm okay, then I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can brush it off this day. But if I, you know, some days you just don't feel like it. And sometimes I'll engage and go back at them. But um I have a better better handle on it now, but um, it it takes it took a lot of time for me to learn that because I don't think that you should ever adjust or be comfortable or accept, you know, that type of behavior on the internet. I don't. It's yeah. it's not normal, and it should never be normal. I don't think people should always strive to be better, and it, it's wild the vitriol that you get and. I think I get it in a different way than men get for sure, because they, you know, even when my opinion, when I had that Wentz report, I got death threats. Right. And it's yeah. like, why? Why? Because I reported that Wentz was going to the bed. Like, why would that require somebody to say that? I hope you die. You know, like it doesn't mm. it doesn't matter. I chalk it up to jealousy. Right. Because all these dudes actually wanted my job. And I'm like, well, you could have went and handed out flyers in the parking lot of the Wells Fargo Center in 2007 to get your start, um, do the work, and then you'll end up there. But I think that that's a lot of what it is, but it's it's wild. And I mean, it's a day-by-day -day basis sometimes. And then I'm like, and I'm actually, I know that I'm smarter than you. So 
That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to say fuck off, but now I go like, uh, you know, some, so, <laughs> so about what I get is when I tweet something that's politically oriented, they'll say stick to sports and you weren't even that good at that. Right. And then, so I'll write back, uh, you know, you know what I'm really good at? Blocking. Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> that's what I do now. It's and they hate being blocked. Yeah, they hate it. They hate it. They don't think they're gonna, that you're going to ever block them. Like hey, you're abusive. Bye. I don't need you in my life. I don't care how many followers I have. I don't understand why people feel entitled to you <laughs> or to somebody just because you are on the internet. Internet doesn't mean that you're entitled to somebody else. Or that if you're using abusive language, that you get to say that to somebody. You know, it, it, yeah. it's bizarre to me. I mean, it, it, it is. It's weird. All right. Uh, I just want to just give them an example of the things that you tweet. Like today, today you, you you find a lot of tw- tweets and then you comment on them. Like uh, somebody tweeted about the bath oil beads in the 90s where you put those bath oil beads in your in your in your bath and you go i still have reverence and i don't care so you must have liked those bath oil beads in the 90s right i love the bath yeah and also also it comes up today somebody's tweeting with charles barkley and barney on that snl episode (gasps) which was one of the great ones he was on that with uh, nirvana I did not know that he hosted that episode. I mean, yeah, he hosted that episode with Nirvana, and he and he beat the shit out of Barney in a one-on-one game, and which was one of the classic scenes. Come on, Barney! Boom! And he would he would dunk on him, and Barney would fall down. Barney, I never seen the episode. I actually have to watch <laughs> it. It was classic, and you tweeted about that today. That there's not not enough reverence for that episode. And you're right; it was it was one of the great episodes of all time. Uh, and we also uh, speaking. I mean, Charles Barkley and Kurt Cobain. What more yeah. did you ask for? Oh yeah, they asked. Yeah, Nirvana was on uh, in their in their heyday, uh, <laughs> and so Charles would always come in. The last thing we'll talk about: Charles yeah. would come in and co-host every day, every year. Uh, what were those like uh, when Charles came in for you? Well, you know what's so funny is the one year I was in the walking boot. The one, um, I think it was 2017, I was in the walking boot because I, um, well, I have bursitis of the right foot from high heels. That's mm-hmm. what my foot issues are from. And um, <laughs> and Charles came in and he basically lectured me on the, on the importance of proper footwear. <laughs> he, I loved where I loved when he would come in. He was so funny and so real and so genuine and so kind. He was always such a delight. And he did. He he said, what happened to your foot? And I was like, oh, you know, I wore high heels. Now I have bursitis of my right foot from wearing improper footwear. He's like, don't do that. And then he went on this whole spiel and he told me about how it's important to have like arch support and ball support. And he just basically gave me a 10 minute lecture on the importance <laughs> of proper footwear. So if you're wondering what, what Charles Barkley is like. That's yeah, they, they were the best. I, I'm going to you know, miss those shows of Charles, obviously, uh, because we do used to do them in August. Uh, well, listen, Nat, thanks for coming on the, the show. I, I really appreciate it. Best of luck. Keep me posted on what's going on with you. I will. And uh, well. I'm sure there's something around the corner that is uh, monstrous for you. So just hang in there. Things will come to you. That's the way I've always looked at my career. I never really outwardly pursued anything. It's just kind of like an opportunity presented when you least expected it. So uh, when that does, pounce on it. Oh, I am. Don't you worry, Mike. And I, you're my inspiration, I promise. Don't you worry. Oh, thanks, Nat. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Bye. It's the Mike Nussanelli Podcast.
on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, it's time for picks of the week. Uh, uh, listen, folks, um, hopefully you've been following my selections this year because uh, I went two and zero on my games last week. I only gave you two last week. Uh, I hit on the Steelers and the Bengals last week, which makes my record on the season thirty-five and twenty-six. That's nine games over five hundred. That ain't chicken feed. All right. So hopefully you followed all those selections and you're ahead right now. And with that ahead money, you glom onto these two picks that I'm going to give you this week. I love the Chargers in the game. And I'll take uh, the Vikings minus three. As much as I thought the Giants had a chance to win this game, I'm going the other way now with that. I'm going to stay away from the big lines. I can't figure them out. But I'll go with the smaller lines and I'll take the Chargers minus two. And the Vikings minus three. Those are my picks of the week. All right. Now it is time for Mike Unleashed. Mike Unleashed can go in many different directions. And a story I read today cranked me up a little bit. I don't know. This is not really meaningful in the whole overall scope of life. But I remember as a young Mikey Miss when I got a little uh, a little sick and uh, my grandmother would uh, – Say, well, you can only eat this one thing, and it is pastina with a little butter. Uh, she'd make me a nice little bowl of pastina with a little butter. The Ronzoni Company, masters of the pastine making, although sometimes you still get it with San Giorgio. I never, get, I used to get the Ronzoni pastina all the time. Ronzoni announced they are stop making pastina. What? It's an outrage. The flour prices have gone up, and they say it's not worth it now to make those little round pastinas that everybody grew up on. It's Italian penicillin. If chicken soup is Jewish penicillin, pastina with butter is Italian penicillin for the young whippersnappers, the young skippies who feel a little tum-tum. Darren, am I right or am I right? The best. Absolutely the best. chicken. I'm going to combine them a little bit here and say the chicken pastina soup. With a good pole pasta, oh, ho, ho, the best. Yeah, but if you don't have the soup, she'd always whip me up a little boiled 10 minutes worth of pastina, drain it, and put a little butter in there. Woo! And now it's gone. Right, right, Ronzoni, what are you doing to me? That's an outrage, man. It really is. Total outrage. See, I, I save the important issues for everybody here in the Mike Masnelli <laughs> podcast. All right, um, it's time for three questions for Mike. What do you got? Uh, three questions. Um, the NFL season's 18 weeks now. It feels like every pro sports season is too long. If you had to cut one professional sports season shorter, which one would you cut? Oh, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, well, see, baseball is based on such tradition, you know, and sometimes I don't buy into it. I always thought the season should be cut short. But there'd be such an outrage that this Americana thing that baseball carries. So I can't go there. Uh, I I would cut hockey to uh, just the playoffs. I would just, <laughs> no regular season at all. I, I would I would wipe away the entire of the regular season. I was just right going to the playoffs. No no no. I'm being facetious because I wanted to tweak Flyer fans. Uh, probably 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 the the NBA season could be could be shortened. Uh, it's a really long season. It's a really uh, large grind, and that people, so many people now are going uh, load ma- maintenance and yeah. load management, all that stuff. Just shorten the season and, and get into the playoffs because they're the only things that matter. 
And you can say the same for hockey as well. If you shorten both those seasons, you put more emphasis on the playoffs. But you're never, you're never going to be able to shorten it because of the money factor and the, the home arena revenue and all that TV money and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's never going to happen. But, but if, if I had one sport that I was shorting, it would probably be the NBA because just, there's just too much load management going on these days. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's got to be. It's a tough sport, man. It's tougher than ever that you have to run and jump in this sport. It, it, it grinds you up physically. Yeah, there's a lot of people, I'm sure you know them too, that they don't even pay attention to uh, to the NBA or NHL until like February, March. Yeah, I mean, look at Joel Embiid. I mean, like he's he's learned how to milk a season. Yeah. He really has. All due respect, I don't want to you know, be a doctor and comment on his injuries, but he knows what he's doing. All right, that's question one. Question number two. I'm going to take quarterback out of the equation. What is the most important position in all the sports? Quarterback is out of the equation. What's the most important position in all of sports? Well, uh, I would say that the most important position in all of sports is point guard in the NBA. To me, if if you don't have a point guard to can orchestrate things on what you do, uh, you're you're kind of you you just you're just confused out there. So I would say I would say point guard, I would say cornerback in the NFL, and um, no blindside tackle, huh? No, they're the, they're the only two I would go, I would go with. I would go point guard. I would go cornerback as the most important. All right, very good. And and like people will say goalie, yeah. Goalie's tremendously important. I don't want to diminish it. Goalie's tremendously important, but I look at goalie like a specialty player. You know, like hockey is so up and down with with forwards going up and down. A goalie is pretty pretty stationary, and I get that he's got to be good and stop the puck, but he's he's doing it with less cardiovascular ability. <laughs> good point. <laughs> like, seriously, like he could be the worst in shape player on the team and still be a good player. All right, here we go. Question number three. This time of year, I like to read a little bit more. It's uh, it gets dark early. Either one of twofold. Give me the last book you read, or give me a good book recommendation, or both. I just read the Barkley book. We had our guy Timothy Bella on, uh, who wrote the biography on Charles. Charles was not not participating in the in the project, but I think that Tim Bella uh, unearthed a lot of information about his career and his. Uh, his life in general, which, which is very interesting. And I, Mike Seals, he's a uh, book, the same thing with Kobe in the early days of Kobe growing up. I don't normally read a lot of sports books, uh, but uh, I, t- uh, I got both of those and uh, I made sure that, uh, that I read that. But I, 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 my problem is that I, uh, I, I try to start a lot of books because uh, I get a recommendation to read this book. And so I'm already reading one and I put that aside and I start this other one. So I've got a lot of unfinished projects like this, uh, this Shantaram book, a friend of mine sent me. Uh, it's about a guy uh, who escapes Australia as a convict and and lives and goes to live in India, which I'm always fascinated by. And I see where they turned down into a miniseries on uh, it's on Netflix, I think, or Prime or Apple, whatever, whatever it's on. All of a sudden, it's it's a miniseries. So uh, you know, I guess I could catch up and do a uh, George Costanza and watch the watch the, the actual miniseries and tell myself I read the book like he did with Breakfast at Tiffany's. It was nice. He had his nuts there. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Yeah. He had the popcorn. And then the woman came in. He shushed her because he was b- busy watching. <laughs> yeah. 
I was breakfast at Tiffany's in that Seinfeld episode. That's three questions for Mike. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, time to close it down for this particular uh, episode. Thanks uh, very much to Natalie Aganoff for spending some time with us. I hope you enjoyed uh, reminiscing with, with Nat. And again, you can get in touch with me. My Twitter is MikeMiss25. Uh, you can email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. That's my website, which is MikeMiss.com, where you can uh, find information on uh, my book, my children's book, which is The Adventures of Shima the Sheba, and information on the, uh, the winery that I become part owner of, the great Italian vineyards in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey, where you can order online and get the wine shipped right to you. There's a Mike Miss discount on the website if you look at it. Uh, buy six bottles, you get 30% off. That's not bad. Uh, anything else we got going? No, I think I'm going to go get some chicken pastina soup from Ragazzi over here in Marlton. So. T- let me just say one thing about the pastina. Now that this has come out, people are putting boxes of Ronzoni pastina that they have on eBay and selling them for 23 to $25 a box. Got to stock up, man. Because it's all gone. They're not going to make it anymore. It's a total outrage, <laughs> man. Bring back pastina. Free Pastina. All right, it's been the Mike Misnelli podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Back next week. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to the Mike Misnelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.